Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of Infinite Basketball, and I'm here with my predictions for the conference finals matchups um, for the NBA here. Just four teams left, so very exciting getting down to the championship um, matchup here. Just uh, two more matchups, and then we got the championship. Um, so today... Uh, like I said, I'll be here with those predictions, and I'm also um, get a little bit into the history, and I'll give you some old NBA players that I think would be good in today's game and who they would most compare to in today's game. But I'll start out with um, my conference finals predictions. Um, so... Yeah, so as I said, we have a few things to get to today, so I won't really recap the the um, second-round matchups too much, um, what happened for these teams to get to the conference finals, but I will a little bit, but I won't go too in-depth. Okay, so the four teams we have left are the Clippers, Suns, Bucks and Hawks, okay? Clippers and Suns in the Western Conference, Bucks and Hawks in the Eastern Conference. Um, so the Clippers, I mean, they did something no NBA team has ever done in this playoffs. They came down from two straight, two, two to zero deficits, okay? And um, they did not have home court, or wait, no, they did have home court advantage versus the Mavs. They did not versus the Jazz. So, anyways, they came down from two straight two to zero deficits and came back and won the series. Um, as we saw with the Mavs, they were down 2 0. Um, and then they got the series win seven games. Here with the Jazz, Jazz won two straight games. They win the Clippers won four straight games. Even and they even um didn't even have Kawhi for some of them. So that was really tough for the Clippers. I mean, we got a re- we got to see a really good game from Terrence Mann in Game Six for the Clippers. Um, probably a guy we wouldn't really expect to have such a good night, but the Clippers were just picking apart the Jazz. I mean, Gobert would come into the paint; they'd have to kick it out. Terrence Mann had seven threes in that game. They were just attacking Gobert which is kind of funny since he's the Defensive Player of the Year candidate. But when you have faster guys versus a Gobert who isn't as fast, I mean, the Clippers were taking advantage of their matchups. Um, Reggie Jackson was great in that game, did a good job of hitting his threes and passing out to Terrence Mann. I think he's a guy who should be getting more credit for the Clippers right now. Um, And how about Paul George? We saw him as a leader here. Um, and he showed up. We saw two, I mean, after pretty much like two games, those two Jazz losses. I mean, he was pretty good in uh, most of the Clippers' wins there. I mean, he really showed up in that game three. Um, he really, yeah, he really showed up in that game three, scored like 31 points, just silenced all those Jazz people who said that he couldn't couldn't show up in the playoffs. Um just wasn't too clutch, um, but he proved them wrong and, I mean, really sent a message to the Jazz fans. But um, in the Jazz defense, Donovan Mitchell uh, was a little 
injured throughout the series uh, towards the end. I believe it was after game two or three. Started to have problems with, I believe it was his ankle. Um, so he wasn't really 100% then. Now we saw Mike Conley come back for the Jazz for a game, but he didn't. He just needed more. He just needed to play play a little more. He wasn't really himself there scoring-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, the Jazz, they just blew too many leads. Um, I mean, this shouldn't have happened if you're the Jazz. I mean, really, best record in the NBA, number one seed in the Western Conference, and you're really going to allow the Clippers to come down from 2-0. I mean, the Clippers just played really smart. I give a lot of credit to um, Clippers coach Ty Lue, um, and and the players. The players were staying calm after down 2-0. They're like, we're just going to figure this out, okay? No stress. Um, they just – Clippers just did a very good job with that. They just didn't give up. They're, they're not going to give up, those Clippers. They're going to play tough. When they know they got to play hard, they will. All right? That's how they got that win. And, yeah, and – Back to the Kawhi thing. Kawhi, we probably won't see him. I, I, I think I don't think we're going to see him. Probably not for the rest of this, these playoffs, and probably not in the series they have versus the Suns right now. But we have seen Paul George. I mean, he can pull him out a few wins. But, um, anyways, all right, on to the the Suns Nuggets series. Okay, this series, I did predict the Suns would win. Uh, and they did. It was a sweep. That's what surprised me about this series. Um, for this series, I give a lot of credit to Chris Paul and um, DeAndre Ayton. Chris Paul was getting to his spots. That little um, that little shot near the paint he likes to get to on the sides. I mean, he he just kept getting there over and over and over. Nuggets just didn't have anyone to stop him. Um, Chris Paul versus the Nuggets. He had he averaged twenty five and a half points, five rebounds, ten point three assists, and he also had uh, one and a half steals. Okay, that those are great numbers, especially for a thirty six year old. Um, and Chris Paul just, I mean, like I said, just getting to his spots. Nuggets guards didn't know what to do. And how about DeAndre Ayton? He 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 played a phenomenal series. I mean. Jokic still averaged 25 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, but I mean but I mean those that assist number probably, you know, maybe a little lower and I mean Jokic didn't have a breakout series. I mean, he had he definitely did have some good games, but Aiton did a good job on the on the shots making sure Jokic got a low didn't make too high of a percentage of his shots, but this wasn't really an above overall and above average series for Jokic. So you got to credit DeAndre Ayton for that. Michael Porter Jr. wasn't really – he also got injured throughout the series for the Nuggets. That was that was a, the blow. And when Jokic isn't having one of the best series of his life and Michael Porter Jr. is injured, and those are your two best players, you know. I, I mean, you really don't stand a chance versus the Suns team, who has Chris Paul experienced – Devin Booker, we're seeing uh, we we can rely on him throughout the playoffs, um, but yeah, Suns just I mean great job they they truly looked like a championship team with that series win. Um, now we'll talk about the the Bucks Nets series. Oh my gosh, this series just crazy crazy. Um, 
the Bucks now came down from a two to zero uh, series deficit. The Nets won the uh, the first two games. The second game was a blowout. First game they won by one by eight points. Um, I mean, I really hope you guys saw that game seven because that was just incredible. I'm so glad I got to see that one too. Um, I mean, it was incredible to see Kevin Durant hit that game winner. They say his foot was on the line, and that's why they counted a two. If it wasn't on the line, that probably would have been the key to send the Nets to this conference finals. But refs say it was on the line, so it's on the line. Game goes into overtime. Really a defensive overtime. Both teams just were kind of gassed in overtime. Especially, I, I mean, we saw Giannis throughout the game just was really tired there. Um, but so was Durant. I mean, there was multiple guys on both teams that played over 50 minutes. We didn't see a great show from Drew Holiday, but hit a clutch three in the fourth. Um, Chris Middleton really showed up, and he hit that jumper to really top it off for the Bucks. But um, this is a series I did predict correct. Game three, the Bucks just got uh, – that was really that game was Drew Holiday who really topped it off for the Bucks, um, and they, it was an ugly win. I mean, both teams weren't shooting well, but Bucks pulled it out, and it also the Bucks did get some help from the Nets here because Kyrie went down. We saw, and we and Harden was not really a hundred percent throughout this series. Um, I mean, it was helpful that he was back, of course, but just not himself. There were times where he normally would have attacked, but he decided to keep the pace low. That's just not James Harden. Um, so, really, all the pressure went on Durant. Durant had some really good games. Uh, had a solid game seven, but P.J. Tucker, how about him? Would we have expected him to come out and play great defense on Durant and all? I mean, he was incredible. I mean, Durant still had great outings, but on multiple shot attempts, uh, P.J. Tucker was just trying his best on one of the best scorers of all time. So, Bucks got that one. And how about Hawks Sixers? Um, you can't talk about this series without talking about Trey Young. I mean, th- they came back two games. One, they were once down at 26 points. The other, they were down by 15, I believe somewhere around there 15 um Trey Young they Trey Young was just picking apart those those Sixers I mean with the pick and rolls and the the screens I mean there were so many things that were helping out the the Hawks when they do that because when they did those screens pick and rolls Trey Young would either go in for a floater or he'd lob it to Capella and I mean it the Sixers just couldn't stop it Embiid couldn't handle it I mean it's hard to stop a two-on-one because Young's defender would be behind him, just be one forward. That would be Embiid. So if Embiid stayed with Capella, Young would just shoot the floater or else take the lob to Capella if Embiid was approaching Young. So, yeah, Trey Young, just awesome. He's averaged 29 points, three rebounds, 10 assists in the playoffs. Um, I mean, this is – this is a he's taken big steps here. I mean, we saw like last year or well, a few, you know, a few years. The Hawks, I mean, really, really weren't that good, but the team took a step forward, and so did so did Trey Young. 
I mean, he has been so calm on the road for the, the Hawks. I'm really impressed with Trey Young right now. I mean, versus this experienced Sixers team, he was able to come back two times down by big deficits. I mean, I'm really impressed with Trey Young. He's so calm, ice Trey. I mean, really. So that's, I mean, and then there's a game seven, uh, Hawks, Sixers, Trey Young, again, just really calm. Wasn't wasn't the best shooting night for him, but he made some clutch plays, and that's what willed the Hawks to the win. Kevin Herter also had a performance that they're going to need with him in this series versus the Bucks too, but he had a great performance that helped him get the win. Yeah, for the Sixers, I mean, the Hawks were just, I mean, fouling Ben Simmons over and over. I mean, Ben Simmons should take the blame here for the Sixers. I mean, Embiid, he was playing, he was playing a little through injury, but Embiid did good for playing through injury and overall had a great series. And um, <clears throat> Capella's stats were not, you know, not as as great in this series. Um, but you know the, but Simmons. With the free throw shooting, I mean, he was shooting. I I believe it's like thirty three percent from the free throw line. I mean, it was honestly awful. That's the reason why the Sixers lost. Okay, that's that's got to be a top reason. I mean, they were they were fouling him, and just Simmons Simmons couldn't do anything about it. He just, I mean, you you've got to make your free throws if you're in today's NBA, and. That's the one thing about Simmons, even the Sixers coach at the end. I mean, I could tell he thought that, I mean, this series loss was heavily on Simmons. He was like, the guy asked him, do you think Simmons can be on a championship team? Uh, and he's a point guard. And then he said, he said, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question right now. So we might see something going on with Ben Simmons here in the offseason. Uh, maybe a trade, maybe. We'll see, we'll see how it goes, but, uh, I mean, maybe they should have gone harder out on James Harden, the, the Sixers, because, I mean, Simmons is a great defender, great all-around player, but, I mean, those these free throws, they need to start going in. It's okay if you can't shoot threes yet, but we, we saw how much not being, not being able to shoot free throws at a high rate can affect you. Like, think about Giannis. Like, he's – He's an all right free throw shooter. I mean, not 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 the <clears throat> greatest, but definitely better than Simmons. And Giannis doesn't really shoot threes. I mean, he'll he'll shoot them, but I mean, not too much. But it doesn't, you know. He's still a great player, although he doesn't shoot threes too much. So that that's a little recap we had there from the first round matchups. Very excited. I mean, the sorry second round matchups. Very exciting series. We saw two Game 7s, uh, and I thought we were going to see a Game 7 for Jazz Clippers, but gosh, the Jazz just cannot hold on to the Clippers in the second half um, of that Game 6. So we'll start anyways. That took longer than I would have wanted to do, but it's okay. Um, on to Clippers-Suns. Um, Suns are up 2-0 to zero in the series. Of course, I predicted the series before the first game took place. Um and, yeah, so, all right. So, first, let's look at the depth of these two teams. So, we're not expecting Kawhi to be back in the series for the Clippers, but their starting lineup, well, in game one, it was 
they had Reggie Jackson, uh, Paul George, Terrence Mann, Batum, and they had Marcus Morris. Okay. Um, this is a lineup that worked really well versus the Jazz, and that that this is the lineup they got to wear the win, the win with. Um, but you know that didn't really work out in Game One as we saw because DeAndre Ayton had a pretty good game. The Suns the Suns played that really well. They knew how how Ayton could stay in the game and not, and so that they wouldn't uh, have what have what uh, to Ayton what happened to Gobert. So anyways, the, the Suns starting lineup without Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is expected to be back for game three out of protocol. Um, the Suns starting lineup without him is uh, Cameron Payne, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, and DeAndre Ayton. All right. Um, Cameron Payne had a great game. Um, great game too. He scored 29 points, almost had a double, Double-double in game one also. He had 11 points, nine assists. Uh, he's been very solid. And when Chris Paul comes out, that just makes the Suns team deeper because he can play on the bench, still give him that production with Chris Paul. Okay, so now let's look at the the bench here. The bench for the Suns, we got – I mean, they, the Suns are just so deep. I mean, look look at this list. Cameron Johnson, Torrey Craig, Dario Saric, Frank Kaminsky, um, Javon Carter, and then they've also got they've got Moore, who they don't really play that much, but they've played him so far this series since Chris Paul was not here for the point guard role. Um, I mean, that's just so deep. They have so many forwards, and the Suns are capable of making that adjustment to um, if something happens with Aiton, not uh, if the Clippers just start attacking Aiton. Um, well, well, then they can they can use one of these guys to put in there. All right. Anyways, death for the Clippers. They've got uh, Rondo playoff Rondo. They've got Zubac, who they started in Game Two. Um, that might have worked out better, and that's something we could see with the Clippers moving forward in this series because, uh, well, yeah, because Zubac did have a great game in Game Two, and uh, that gives them more size to put on DeAndre Ayton. And they've also got Luke Kennard, uh, Patrick Beverly. They started him in for Terrence Mann game two. Uh, I saw they were putting him on Devin Booker sometimes. That might also be a good strategy. That's this is, game two was another. Um, I mean, it was another. Ty Lue made some great adjustments, although they lost. Um, but he made some great adjustments. I thought it was good to put Zubac in the starting lineup give Aiton a little challenge. And Booker had 20 points in game two. That's a big down from game one. Um, and then they've also got DeMarcus Cousins, who we've seen being played a little bit this series for size reasons too. Um, yes, now, I do think the Suns are going to win the series. That's my prediction. Again, I'm not saying that just now because they're up too well, but I said I predicted before series took place, okay? Um, here's why. First of all, Paul George, we I know we saw some good, good games with him with the Jazz, but did you guys see what happened in Game Two? He missed two free throws down the stretch of a game. Clippers up one, he misses both of them, and this is your best player without Kawhi. All right, all right, let's forget about Kawhi because he probably won't come back. So, Paul George, your best player. I mean, he misses, he misses both. And so, and then the the Suns have a chance, and they get that chance, and 
Jay Crowder throws a lob to DeAndre Ayton. They win the game. That's it. Okay. Chris Paul needs – I mean, sorry. <laughs> uh, Paul George, he needs to – we need we, – we, we, they can't have that happen. All right. This year in the playoffs, though, like I said, he has been better. 26.6 points, 8.9 rebounds, 5.3 assists. All-time in the playoffs for Paul George, he's 21 points, 7.3 rebounds, 4 assists. Okay, so as you can tell by those stats, this is a better playoff year for him. But, you know, it's still not a full playoff Paul George because if we if we see some more performances like last night, I mean, Chris, I mean, he made some great plays down the um, down the stretch of this game to help him even get this lead. But you've got to seal those free throws. I mean, really. Um, anyways, I'm still not 100% into Paul George here. But so that's that's a reason I think the Suns still got this. And game two, they just pulled it away because of that. Um, second reason is obviously because of Kawhi. I mean, they would have probably been fine if he wasn't in the series because they'd have Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, long guys who are experienced defenders, and plenty others on the bench that I named earlier. And then we've also got Chris Paul coming in game three, okay? Cameron Payne on the bench, um, too. And with how he's been playing, Chris Paul can get a little rest, too, and still pick apart this Clippers defense like he did to the Nuggets. Um and, I mean, the, as I also said with Kawhi, they have good defenders too. I mean, they've got, you know, Crowder, Bridges. I like how Crowder and Bridges in the starting lineup. I think they provide great length and and they really help out with the defense. Okay. Um, and, yeah, and so when Chris Paul does come back, uh, you got to remember his stats versus the Nuggets and how he – and how he did that because he might he might be picking apart Reggie Jackson here and attacking Zubac like the like the Jazz did sometimes. Um, you get forget Chris Paul versus the Nuggets. He also shot sixty two point seven percent from the floor, seventy five percent from three, a hundred percent from the line. Guys, this is not made up. Okay, Chris Paul is that good at knowing when to shoot the ball and when to pass the ball. Okay, this is an experienced guy, all right? And remember, he did this on 25 and a half points. Um, I mean, he can he, – he just knows when to shoot and when to not. This guy's not going to shoot a bad percentage from the floor. I mean, as we saw that, he just – he's just a master at it now. He knows he knows when to go, um, knows when to pass, shoot, et cetera, all right? Just wait for him to come in that lineup. It's gonna they're good, they're just gonna be even better. I mean, and really, this is gonna be so hard for the Clippers to come back from a third two to zero deficit. All right, how's that gonna happen when he don't have Kawhi? When he have Paul George, who you might not be able to fully trust at end of games, and you've got Chris Paul coming back, who's the leader of this team. He just puts it all together. Okay, it's gonna be tough if you ask me. Um. Yeah, I don't expect that to be an extremely long series either. So I expect Suns to advance to the NBA Finals. Congrats to them. All right, now Bucks Hawks. Um, this series I predicted Bucks. Okay, here's why. Trey Young, he's gonna have even more 
challenges because he's going to have Drew Holiday on him. And let's also look at the other defensive lineup. Um, first of all, if they start P.J. Tucker, which, you know, they might, um, unless they want to go with Connaughton and go a little smaller since, I mean, for whatever reason. Um, anyways, P.J. Tucker, we know how good at defense he is. If you watch that Bucks nets series, even just a game, you know how good he is at that defense. Uh, Giannis, he made all defensive team this season. So did Drew Holiday. Okay, so they've got two all defensive players, DJ Tucker and we and Chris Middleton. He's been known as a good defender, um, but didn't make all defensive this year. But again, he's been known as that. And Brooke Lopez, he made all defensive team last year. Okay, so this is this team's just full. The starting line just full of defense. And if you want even more, even more proof here. Um, Bucks defense uh, versus the Nets through games three and seven. Nets still a great offensive team, even without Harden at full strength and um, no Kyrie. They allowed 83 points, 96, 114, 89, 111. And the 111 was the overtime game versus Nets games three through seven. Okay. So, I mean, great numbers. And they can, they can really go out Capella here and, um, and John Collins in the paint, even although those are two good good defenders themselves, we know what Giannis can do. Okay, and um, also Giannis in the playoffs. I mean, he's he's just getting more and more clutch. Okay, because Giannis versus the Bucks in Game Seven, we saw him score forty points, thirteen rebounds, five assists versus versus Nets Game Seven. Okay, okay, we can. I mean. Just like Paul George, we're, we can start we're, – we're getting there, starting to rely on Giannis a little bit more in the postseason, okay? But this is what exactly what Giannis needs to do. He needs to have those kind of games, especially if it comes down the stretch. Um, and the Bucks also have more reliable scoring than the Hawks because, first of all, uh, Bogdanovich, first of all, he's, he's injured and – since he got that, and he might still be playing, but he's not going to be at full strength like James Harden. Um, we saw him get injured, and he just wasn't himself after that. Wasn't great in Game Seven, um, and yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes with him. But I mean, I don't think a lot of people are expecting much. And Kevin Herter, I mean, he's a great player. I like how he plays, but I mean, you can you'd rather rely on Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to get you scoring than him, I'd say, because those are guys who have experience uh, in their primes. And, yeah. And and then the down low, the, the Hawks have John Collins, Clint Capella. But, but, I mean, you match that with Giannis and Lopez. Clint Capella also has not been as good in, in the postseason as he has in the regular season. Regular season, he's 15 points, 14 rebounds, two assists. I mean, two, two blocks. And um, postseason, he's a – He's uh, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 1.2 blocks. So not as good in the postseason for him. And then Giannis on John Collins. I mean, John Collins will put up a fight, but, I mean, Giannis is always going to put up a fight. Okay. Giannis, we know we know what he can do. And he's also hungry for that championship. He knows that he knows that, that finals appearance is waiting for him. All right. He, he's waiting for this moment, Giannis. Okay. He's hungry. And um, also, I want to see some Bobby Portis from the Bucks. 
he played a little bit in games one through four versus the Nets. Didn't see him for five, six, and seven. But versus the Hawks this season, he's averaged 14.6 rebounds. Very solid, and I've I've seen him play versus this Hawks team. Oh, I mean, he's good. They got to play him, especially since the, the, the Hawks have Gallinari, Lou Williams, and they also might have Solomon Hill in there. That that They've got a little height in Gallinari and Solomon Hill. I think they got to put Portis in there. I think that's what Budenholzer has got to do. And then they still have Pat Connaughton, who they can rely on at times to shoot threes and all. And then Bryn Forbes, same thing, shooting threes. Um, those are two valuable guys they can have on the bench. Uh, the Bucks are also two and one versus the Hawks this year. Um, one of those games, the Hawks weren't that healthy, but um, but yeah, overall, I just think um, this is gonna this is gonna be the the Bucks here because they've got a defensive lineup that I'm totally confident in, um, and you know I know how good Trey Young is, but this is I mean. This is no joke, this defensive lineup for the Hawks. And then we also, the the Hawks, I mean, again, we got Clint Capella, uh, you know, not doing as well in the playoffs. I mean, this is a, a, too largely on Trey Young here, okay? Uh, I, I don't see scoring coming from one guy like that you're automatically going to get 20 from every night. Whereas the Bucks, you can you could get that from Middleton, if not Holiday, and then obviously you're going to get it from Giannis. All right, and then the defense. All right, so we'll take a break here, and we'll be back with old NBA players that I think could thrive in today's NBA. All right, guys. So again, next topic. Uh, I'll give you some old NBA players that I think would be good in today's NBA. And I'm going to compare them to a player who does play in today's NBA. Okay? So I have six players to give you guys. Um, yeah. Why did, if you're wondering why I decided to do this, um, you know, I just heard some talk and then I decided to make a few. Now, these, are, these aren't necessarily my top six or no particular order. These are just six players. Okay, just six players. Um, so the first player that I think would be good in today's NBA is Jerry West, all right? Um, as we know, Jerry West was really good in the 60s, won a championship in the 70s, was good in the 70s. Um, and he was a really good all-around player. That's what we know about him. <clears throat> and he was a great defensive player. He was a defensive uh he was on the all defensive team every year since it came out. Um it wasn't the all defensive team wasn't uh there his whole his whole career. So he was five time all defensive and for his career he averaged twenty seven points, five point eight rebounds, six point seven assists, and um and he had over two steals. Um in the season that they, in the season that they counted the, the steals, okay, and um, also we know he's very good from the mid range, and um, a lot say he would be a good three point shooter in today's NBA because of how good he was at the mid range, and he'd be able to expand his range a little bit. And I agree with that. I mean, he was so good from there, and he he also got to the line a, a decent amount of times. 
And for these reasons, I think he's very similar to prime Victor Oladipo, okay? So, and when I say prime, I'm more talking like the 2017-18 version. I know that that isn't necessarily exactly today, but this one I'll go a little off on because I do think he was like this just because in the things that they were both able to do. Um, so Old Odipo, he was like in 2017 to 18 and 2018 to 19, actually. He averaged 21.7 points, 5.3 rebounds, 4.6 assists. So the rebound numbers are about the same. Um, I think, you know, West would maybe be like a little better of a version of Victor um, assist. He's two down, but I will say Victor's passing ability is a little underrated, I'd say. I mean, he he was really capable of finding the open man and pretty willing to pass. Maybe some people didn't really realize that at times. But I'd say he was he was pretty willing to pass, it seemed like. And he's also a good defender, you know. he's He, he averages 2.1 steals per game. Um, and, and, yeah, so he's really got that stealing ability that also Jerry West has. And also from three-point range, he's, he shoots 36.2% from the from in those two seasons from three. Um, you got to give credit to him for that and how he'd be similar to West. 36.2% is, is still solid in today's era, okay? Um, and by the way, these are career stats I'm doing for all the players, ex- unless I say it's for a certain season, like I did with Victor, but that's the only one I did a certain season anyways. Um, but, uh, so yeah, all these stats are career stats over their whole career. Um, all right, so the next uh, comparison I want to do is Pete Maravich, and I want to compare him to Kyrie, all right? So Pistol Pete, we know, was a lot of people remember him for his, his scoring because, well, at LSU, he averaged like 44 points a game in college, but he was also good in the NBA. He averaged 24 points a game. He had four rebounds and five assists, Okay. And but the thing I think is underrated about him is his handles and how creative he was he was in his era. In his era, you know, there weren't weren't as many flashy plays. Guys were just looking to, to score the ball casually without any extra stuff, extra ways to get open. As like today, you'll see all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, but Pistol had that at times. I mean, he he had those handles. He, he, he really showed, showed out from the other people. It was like, whoa, what's this guy doing all these fancy moves? Well, I think he'd be like Kyrie because, as we know, many people say that Kyrie is the greatest ball handler of all time. So I think Pistol definitely keep those moves in today's NBA, especially since you need them. You know, you, can, you see how that can really help your offense as today's an offensive era where you see that more. So I definitely think he'd keep those and uh, would be like Kyrie for that. And also, I said that Pistol averaged 24 points, 4 wins, 5 assists. Uh, these are average stats now. Um, Kyrie, he aver- over his career, averages 23 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. So same thing, just one point less. Okay? So that there's some similarities. And Kyrie also makes two threes a game. 
Um, Pistol is also very good from the mid range, and a lot that's where a lot of his shots came around that area. And so another guy who could have easily expanded his range took a lot of long twos, mid range shots, because you know there was there wasn't really a point in taking a lot of long shots back in Pistol's era because because they didn't count for more. There was no three point line. So I mean, what was the point of shooting a low percent shot when you're not going to get uh, as many point value? Um, Kyrie also shoots in 39% from three, and they both get to the line a lot. Um, yeah, Pistol doesn't only shoot mid range and long twos. You know, he he did he sure did get to the line. All right, um, and shooting is another thing. Uh, Pistol, you know, his shooting was all right. Um, when he shot, maybe didn't have some of the greatest seasons, but uh, in today's NBA where there's less defense, I I mean, I have no doubt his shooting would be better than it was in his era because, you know, not as much defense, uh, more calls favor the offensive players nowadays. So that's why I think he'd be like Kyrie-type player. And next player I want to get to is Rick Barry, and I want to compare him to Kevin Durant. Okay. Um, yeah. So Rick Barry, I mean, a lot of these guys are guys that can shoot or, well, actually all of these guys can shoot threes on my list. The, the old, the older guys, um, they can, they could shoot threes in their era. And, and I mean, it's more, it's so important as ever today that, um, if you shoot the three, you're going to be valuable in today's NBA. So that's why I'm saying, like, um, getting guys that could shoot long twos, mid-range, that I'm confident could increase increase that to a longer-range shot. Um, Rick Barry was – he shot three threes um, at the end of his career in the NBA. Uh, Rick Barry played for the ABA um, for some years. But uh, the last season he played when the NBA three-point line came out, he was he, – he shot one for three. And three attempts then, I mean, that's pretty – I mean, you know, that's a lot for back then. And he, he – again, he made one of them. But that would be much better in today's NBA. I mean, I'm sure he'd shoot more, especially since everyone's doing it. And so you're saying, why do I compare him to Kevin Durant? Well, I compare him to Durant because, one, their, their scoring ability. That's one of the main things. Rick Barry is a, um, a scoring champ, and so is Durant, okay? That's the main thing they have in common here. Uh, Rick Barry averaged 25 points over his whole career, ABA and NBA combined, and Kevin Durant averaged 27, very close. Rebounds, exact, seven. And uh, assists, Rick Barry was at five, Kevin Durant, four. So very similar stats, all within um, two of all those. And uh, both can play defense at times, as Rick Barry was a stealing champ, believe it or not. I believe that was in the ABA. And uh, Durant, we know with his height, can, can be helpful on defense. Um, and the other thing, shooting. How about Rick Barry's underhanded free throws? Um, <laughs> I know everyone liked to see those. Um, they both they both were leaders at least a time. Uh, Durant was one time, I believe Rick Barry's around four times, a free throw shooting leader. And those underhanded free throws that Rick Barry did, they were so accurate. I mean – such a good free throw shooter. It's an, it's incredible. Um, but 
Yeah, so scoring and shooting, that's the definition of these two guys, while being able to be solid all-around players. That's why I compare him to Durant here, okay? Um, so next next thing, next guy is Larry Bird. I mean, almost everyone thinks that he could be better in today's NBA. I mean, it's just incredible how good we saw him at and how even better he could be in today's NBA. Um as we know, Larry Bird was was good at shooting the three in his era. The the three point line came out in his rookie season, so <laughs> worked out pretty well for him. He didn't have to wait some years. Um, and I want to compare him to Jokic or, or Doncic, both because first of all, these three guys play alike because they're all good leaders. First of all, because we saw Bird carrying his teams to the Championship, well, not necessarily carrying. He had help. That's not what I'm. That's not my point. But I'm saying he's a good leader, good good guy to be the the best guy on the team. Same thing with Jokic, Doncic. Um, I'll compare it to Jokic's stats today because, I mean, um, he's so much like both of these guys. But maybe, in my opinion, he's just slightly more Jokic. So I'll just compare it to him. Um, Larry Bird. Over his career, averaged 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Jokic was 19 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. So same thing except a few more points for Bird. Um, and both of these guys can shoot the three. Um, both both shot above 35%. And they both like play slower, you know, like a slower pace. Don't necessarily want to get out and run to get, to get all their points. Um, and court vision is the other thing. As we as we say a lot, Jokic is definitely, no doubt, one of the best passing centers of all time. And Larry Bird was just that for a forward. I mean, six assists per game could find his teammates so well. Um, I mean, it was incredible. Um, with the with that combination of court vision and scoring for both of these guys, just makes it a really hard duo. To, I mean, really hard players to stop. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's why I think he's a lot like Jokic. Um, I think he'd be kind of a Jokic type player. Um, next player, uh, maybe a little underrated, a guy I hadn't heard as much, uh, until I was getting people's, uh, seeing what other people thought about this, uh, old players that'd be good today. And a person, some people said quite a bit was Andre Karolinka. And I, um, I looked at his stats. I watched highlights of him. I never got to see him play. Um, but I sure do think he could have thrived in today's NBA. He, he reminded me of Pistol in the way that in the flashiness style, like it seemed like he, like he had some plays that I've really never seen before. It was interesting. Um, uh, Karolinka, I want to compare him to Iggy, Andre Iguodala. Um, Andre Karolinko averages 12 points, 5.5 rebounds, 3 assists, and he has 1.4 steals. Igudala has 12 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 1.5 steals. So very similar. Uh, and another reason I think they're really similar is, well, they can, bo- they can both play defense. Iguodala is a two-time All-Defensive Team. Karolinko is is a one. He's he's made All-Defensive Team. Um, 
And uh, the other thing about Karolinko, a lot of people are saying he can be a small ball center. I totally agree with that in today's NBA. Today's NBA, we uh, we I mean, sometimes there's smaller lineups. Um, a good example of that, a team that's playing now is the Clippers. I mean, we see them go with like Nick Batum or Marcus Morris, not your traditional center. Um, they put those kind of guys at center sometimes um, for more speed and stuff. Um, so Karolinko totally could have fit in that role. He also has some pretty flashy passes that I really liked. Um, and then defense was another thing is good. I saw him block Kobe a few times. That's something Iguodala is, is great at too. And I mean, we've seen him guard LeBron too in those NBA finals he had when he was on the Warriors. And then just last year too, we saw him when he, uh, got traded to the Heat, and now and then we saw LeBron and the Lakers. We saw them face off. I mean, they're rivals. I mean, they've they've been facing off each other. So definitely a great def- defender in Iguodala. Karolinko also gets a lot of blocks too, decent amount. Decent amount. That's the one thing him and Iguodala aren't really the same about. Is Iguodala is not really up there with the blocks though, but um. But yeah, that's why I think that that these guys um, that these guys are like the are, are similar because Iguodala we don't traditionally see him a center. He's I believe three inches shorter than Karolinko. but I mean, I guess you could do it. But nowadays he's he's getting older and he doesn't really play as much on the floor. And the Heat do have some good centers and Bam Adebayo, and then they've got that. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he got they got him last year. He'll be going to his second year. So they've got some solid centers to play already. But um but yeah, that's why I think he's similar to Iguodala. And the last um guy I think that could be good in today's NBA is Chris Mullen. This guy I think is so underrated. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable how underrated how underrated they are. I mean how how underrated he is because I mean, when I hear people talk about the Dream Team, they name everyone. Like, they name Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, etc. Everyone is on that team. But they never say Chris Mullen. They even name uh, Latiner before I hear Mullen. I mean, it just frustrates me how underrated he is because this is a guy that could be awesome in today's NBA. Um, He averaged 18 points, four rebounds, three and a half assists. Over his career, and this is, and this guy also, he was a great shooter, um, great shooter for his era. Definitely one of the best. So it's really sad people don't remember him because people would be like, "Oh yeah, he's he's he would be really good in today's NBA." But his shooting numbers: fifty-one percent from the floor, thirty-eight percent from the from the from three, and eighty-six point five percent from the free throw line. So not too far away from a 50-40-90. Remember, this guy played like 80s, 90s ball. I mean, those are good shooting numbers for a defensive era. And, um, and yeah, Chris Mullen with with 38%, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That would be so much better today, and that's already good. And, anyways, I want to compare him to Joe Ingles. Now, I will say that Mullen would have a bigger role I believe on a team than Joe Ingles does now in the Jazz, but I'd say like he 
so he would play like Ingles, but he'd do it more because he I I believe he'd have the ball more with how good he is at at the threes and all around. Now Joe Ingles, uh, let's look at him. Now the stats, you know, aren't going to be similar for the scoring. Joe Ingles averages nine points a game. He had three rebounds, four assists. So the rebound and assist numbers are similar. But the scoring, I mean, Ingles is going to get more chances, I believe, and he could be a starter in today's NBA for sure, while Joe Ingles is more of like a sixth-man role player in today's NBA. But um, like I said, I just want to compare them just because of their style of play. Joe Ingles uh, also has two threes today. Chris Mullen Chris Mullen had less than one, but, but, but he did shoot. But the ones he shot, he shot at a very good percentage. Joe Ingles uh, has a averages or his shooting numbers 45, 41, and 77. Um, so at least somewhat around where Mullins are, but Mullen probably might be slightly better at shooting uh, than in, than those numbers I just named because because of his numbers that most of them are better and they'd probably be better today again because of the more offensive era. And they both have at least one steal also, so don't forget about the defensive end. Chris Mullen could be sneaky. And another thing about these guys, they they don't rely on their athleticism a lot. They they rely on their skill about shooting the ball because that's the thing we think about with Ingles probably the most is maybe the threes. I mean, he's more, I guess, more of an all-around guy, just a guy that you're like, oh, nice guy to have on the bench. But um, – but you know these guys obviously are athletic. Every NBA player is athletic, but they just, you know, not the not the most out there. Okay, and they don't rely on it. Again, they rely on their their shooting and skill. So that's why I think they're gonna they're they're similar. But again, I think Chris Mullen will have a bigger role in today's NBA. So those are six guys. I think that would be good in today's NBA and who they'd play the most like. And uh, hope you. Uh, Hope you liked that, and uh, stay tuned. See who see who gets to the finals here, and I'll have my predictions on that. That'll be exciting. Um, and yeah, just stay tuned.